0: Picking up in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Leprosy. Is anybody familiar with leprosy? Leprosy was and is a a, a terrible disease. Back in this day and age, if you were leprous, it was a death sentence. In fact, historically, the, the, what people would call these people with leprosy, they would call them the walking dead. Seriously. Somebody who had leprosy had a death sentence, and it wasn't just physically, it was socially as well. In fact, I'm not gonna. I don't want to get too much into it already, but he shouldn't even have been approaching Jesus. It was required by the law that if somebody had leprosy and you were traveling, if you saw yourself coming up upon people, you would have to yell out to them, "Unclean, unclean," so that they knew that you were leprous and they wouldn't come anywhere near you. Could you imagine spending your whole life with with the focus being on your disease? It was terrible. And what would happen when you would become leprous is it starts on the extremities of your body. And as your extremities are infected and it starts to crawl up into the inner parts of your body, your body starts to, I'm sorry, if you want to cover your ears, you can, decay while you are alive. Your fingers would fall off. Your toes would fall off. They would lose feeling. Their nerve endings would die. So if they would accidentally grab a boiling pot to lift it up and it was scalding hot, they wouldn't feel it and it would just be melting right into their skin. It was a terrible disease. And leprosy as being, like I mentioned, a death sentence in that day and age, there still was made provision for healing in the Levitical law. Interestingly, if you come with us on Wednesday nights to go through the book of Leviticus, not just a couple weeks ago, we looked at Leviticus 13 and 14, where it gives all of the the priestly requirements for dealing with leprosy. And what the lepers were supposed to do if they were cleansed of leprosy. But why would God make provision in the law for something that could not be healed? you ever think about that? Leprosy back then, it couldn't be healed. But God said, if a leper is cleansed, this is what you have to do. This is the cleansing process and the sacrifice that's required of it. You know why? Because with God, anything is possible. And God wanted this leprosy to be specifically throughout especially the Old Testament, but into the New. As we look at this today, he wanted it to be an example of the typology of sin in a person's life. Leprosy and sinful nature go directly together, hand in hand. And God says, for you, sin in your life is a death sentence. And if you want to live out your sin publicly, if you want to live out your sin socially, then you're going to be treated as a leper, and a lot of times people are. There's much more of an issue with secret sin than open sin, because you're doing stuff that nobody else knows, but when you start doing things publicly, specifically in the area of illegal activity, what happens You start to get treated like somebody who's different from the rest of society. You get put in jail. You start to look a certain way. The drugs start to break your body down. People can tell. I think it's so sad when somebody says, Oh, I can tell they're on drugs. I can tell they've been doing drugs for a long time. It's the social ramifications of sin. And it's how people are put to the side socially because they've given themselves over to a certain type of sin. But God says, listen, even though sin may be ruling in your body, there is opportunity to be cleansed. Leprosy is a disease, right? It is. But in chapter 1, verse 40... Let's read it again. It says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, can you make me clean? They never refer to leprosy as being a disease that needs to be healed. They always refer to leprosy as needing to be cleansed. Because that was the implications of having leprosy, that you were unclean. And that everywhere you went, everybody saw you as unclean and you had to yell it out to be unclean. You know, in this day and age now, when we think about cleanliness, you know, we have so much opportunity. We have indoor plumbing, take a shower, get freshened up. Some of you need to take more than less. I still love you. I had a friend in high school that would shower a minimum of two times a day. He would shower when he woke up, and he would shower when he went to bed, you know, because in high school, it's all about presentation. (laughs) He wanted to always be clean. He never wanted that stigma as a teenager to, oh, so-and-so smells a little funny. No way. Accepted, clean, above board. In in, in culture, it's easy to clean the outside, right? You take a shower, you put on some, some cologne or some perfume, the outside perception is clean. But what really we need to address today is that the cleanliness still needs to happen, but a lot of times, all the time, it's the inside Who were the ones that were demonstrated as the most clean, the most accepted in Jesus' culture and society during this time frame? The the Sadducees and Pharisees and the scribes. They had the white robes and the clean garments, and they they were presented outwardly very well. But what did Jesus say about them? He said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. From the outside, everything is fine, but on the inside, you are filled with dead man's bones. Could you imagine how they responded to that? What they thought. And really, the lesson for us that we have to take uh, uh, account of is that we need cleansing still. Jesus cleansed us for our, from our sins once and for all, but that process of cleansing is still happening, and we still have to subject ourselves to it. How are we primarily washed now according to the Word of God? By God's Word, that's what washes us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her or wash her. With the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Paul says God is preparing for himself a bride. And how is he preparing her? He's preparing her by the washing of his word. And when I spend time in God's word, God prepares my heart and washes me and addresses things that are dirty that need to be addressed. It's a cleansing process. How many of you like to take baths when you were little kids growing up? Well, I didn't. I think a lot of boys, you know, I don't want to take a bath, I'm fine. Clearly, I'm fine. And mom would wash behind the ears and like, oh, get upset. Man, you're messing my, my, you know, you're messing me up. I don't want to be in here right now. What are you doing to me, mom? You know, I'm cleaning you. Because Timmy, maybe you don't want to be clean, but you've picked up dirt on your body throughout this day that needs to be addressed. And that will be addressed right now. I don't know why it is, but you guys have pets? Pets don't like baths. You wash your dog. It's like, it's like, you know, going through a, 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 a hostage situation where you're trying to get it to stay in the bathtub. Just get just stay there for a minute. You'll be clean. We can cuddle, and then right after your dog's done getting a bath, what does it want to do? It wants to run outside and roll in the dirt. Every time. That's why I like cats. Because they clean themselves. And you're supposed to still give them baths and they hate it because it's addressing things that could be uncomfortable to them. I think that nowadays, and take this with a grain of salt because you guys are here this morning, I think nowadays there's, there's dirty Christians roaming around. There's Christians that need to be in fellowship, in church, listening to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to cleanse them. But this is what happens sometimes. There's somebody who goes to church for a little while, maybe a month or two or three months, and then they stop. Because maybe there's parts that need to be addressed that's starting to be addressed that are uncomfortable, like taking a bath, and they dip out for a while. But then when they get filthy, it's time to go and get you know, brushed up a little bit. But again, when the Holy Spirit starts to address things in their life that need to be cleansed, out they go again. The Holy Spirit's a great uh, means of identifying what needs to be addressed in our lives. And as we submit ourselves to the Lord, His desire for us individually today and collectively as a body, is to cleanse us to be his bride. To represent his bride to this world. So God, cleanse me. Cleanse us as your church. Address those things. Wash us in your word. He kneels down to Jesus. He's, he says he's imploring him. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me. Look at the, the confidence in faith that the leper has that Jesus is the Christ. This is, this is also indicative of the things that he's having to deal with as a leper. There probably were things that he was able to do in life. But it all really had to boil down to is if the other people that they were around were willing to allow them to have some kind of place. And Jesus is not only willing, but he takes it to the next step. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. I think sometimes we focus too much on the element or or aspect of healing in our lives, but you can't really receive healing until you've been cleansed, can you? You go to the hospital, you go to the doctor, you've got a big gouge on your arm. What's the first thing they do? They clean it up. Is it a burn? That dead skin can turn into an infection. And as uncomfortable as it may be, they have to take that layer of skin off. They have to clean it before the healing process can start. And here, the emphasis isn't on his illness. The emphasis is on his uncleanness. And in the Old Testament, as we looked at Leviticus, what it meant to be unclean meant that it hindered your opportunity or ability to have a relationship with God in that time. They would have to separate from the people for a a little bit. And then every night... They were able to give sacrifices that enabled them to become clean again so that they could join back into fellowship corporately with the other people and ultimately the point of it was with God. So our dirtiness can in some ways prohibit us from having that right relationship with God that He intended for us through Jesus dying on the cross. We can get so filthy and dirty and focus just on our salvation, that we're missing, we're completely missing the point. God doesn't want us to just be saved unto eternity. He wants us to be saved unto a right relationship with him today. That's why I love that verse in Timothy. In a great house, there are many vessels, vessels of righteousness and vessels of unrighteousness. And Paul goes on to say, make sure that you are a vessel of righteousness clean." And prepared for every good work that the master wants to use you for. Is there anything dirty lately that needs to be addressed? Going into 2017, is there something that needs to be cleansed, that needs to be cleaned so you can fully partake in the relationship God wants to have, but that thing is kind of muddying the water I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warmed him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. At this point, it was not the right time for Jesus to come out publicly. But as we see, the things that he was doing was ramping up toward that end. He had the authority to do those five things. Now he has the authority to cleanse a leper who they referred to as the walking dead, something that was incurable, and he had the authority to cleanse that person. Which is the segue for us right into the next miracle that Jesus does and explains a little bit, clarifies what it meant and what Jesus was trying to tell the people when he did it. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. (coughs) Now, as much as I want to get mad (laughs) at this leper, like, what are you doing, man? You... Jesus told you to do something specifically. This guy was so happy. Could you imagine? He was probably in the the later stages of his illness. Death could come at any time, potentially. And Jesus heals him, and he, he can't not tell people. His life was changed. This is what we see happen when when Jesus touches somebody's life, specifically in this story and in this context. Jesus traded places with him. Remember, coming into the city, that Jesus was the one that was accepted and anticipated. But as soon as the leper, who was ostracized and made to be out in the waste places away from everybody. As soon as the leper was cleansed, their their positions changed, and it was Jesus who was no longer able to go in among the people. He He traded places with them, which is the same thing He does with us. That's the shame of the cross. What we deserved in being nailed to the cross, He took for us. He traded places with us so that we could be cleansed. Isn't that what being a Christian is all about? It's being cleansed of our sins. Do you know how much the New Testament talks about cleansing? 1 Peter one twenty-two. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Since you have purified your souls... Positionally, it's what God did. Titus chapter 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. We have to focus on each one of those things. And you know what I always tend to see people focusing on? The works part. But you can't be doing the works unless you're cleansed. Purify for himself his own special people. You guys are special. (laughs) You special people. Zealous for good works. Titus chapter 3, verse 4, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. God, wash me. Cleanse me. The famous psalm when David is confessing his sin of how he took Bathsheba the things that he says, and, and he kills her husband, the things that he says were the, were the qualifications of what lepers should do, cleanse me with hyssop. David recognized that the sin did not just uh, uh, affect him and his family unto death, which it did on both parties, but it had defiled him. And even though that he took this woman and he sinned against her, and even though that he murdered this man and he sinned against him, David said, I have sinned against you and you alone, O God. Purify me. When we start to view sin and the issue of sin in our life, it's better when we come to the place, when we sin, it's not necessarily against a certain person, even though it is, but as a Christian, we're sinning directly against God against Him. So when we repent or when we ask for forgiveness, He's the one that cleanses us. He's the only one that's able to cleanse us. And like I said, this story segues us right into the next story, which is one of my favorite stories about a a healing that Jesus does. Let's look at chapter 2. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no room to receive them, not near the door. And he preached the word to them. So Jesus is going back into Capernaum, and and there's so many people that are gathering around. There's a crowd of people that are pressing in, right? Right? that there's no longer any room for people to come in. And what is Jesus doing to them? He's preaching the word of God. The first thing, really, that qualified Jesus as the Messiah, he started preaching the gospel. And as he's going through and doing these miraculous, amazing things, taking the people's infirmities on himself, what is he doing? He's preaching the word of God. Hey, we have to be people as his church that take his example and preach the word of God to people. We have to be preaching the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's God's word that changes people's lives. It's God who touches their hearts. And it doesn't matter what our gifts or abilities are, right? If we're missionaries that do humanitarian stuff, who cares if somebody has clothes on their back and they still haven't heard the gospel or food on their plate or medicine or whatever the case may be if they're not hearing the gospel with it Which is what's ultimately going to change their lives. Verse 3 Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Do you see the connection? these guys, their faith was demonstrated in that they would not leave until they saw Jesus. And the crowd was so great that they could not get to Jesus. So they were willing to do whatever it took to see Jesus because their faith told them that Jesus was going to be able to heal their friend. And it wasn't just the the faith of the man. How many of you have friends like that that are willing to take you to Jesus and break down the house to get to him? right? Was he begging them? Come on, guys, please break the roof down so that I can see Jesus. Oh, this is the last time we're doing this for you, man. We're always breaking into people's houses for you. No. There was a collective agreement that their faith that Jesus could heal him, it turned into action. How many times do we say that we believe something, but what lacks is the imperative in action? I believe that. Are you going to do something about it then? Are you going to preach the gospel? Are you going to talk to people? Are you going to love people? That's the imperative. Their love was demonstrated for their friend in that they were willing to do anything To get him to see Jesus. A cripple. So we have one through six... Jesus demonstrating his authority in this man's life who was a leper and cleansing him, going right over into another physical ailment situation. And Jesus, this time, instead of doing it with some kind of veiled message behind it, he just says it right out front. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Because being paralyzed and and having leprosy and living in this world and, and, and being subject to the breaking down of our bodies, that's all because of the sin nature. It's all because of the sin nature. When I was in my 20s, I was a good-looking guy. But now I'm in my 30s, and I'm not as good-looking. I blame the sin nature. Naturally, my body's breaking down. I've got pictures if you guys want to see. Grant, can you throw one up? when I was 23 or 4? We're being broken down. And when Jesus addresses us, he doesn't just address our condition physically, which is what we want him to do, but he addresses our condition internally. He says, I want to cleanse you. There's things in your life that are paralyzing you. What are those things? Those things are directly connected to sin. And I want to heal you. But my purpose and the capacity that I have and the authority that I have is to forgive sins. And with the forgiveness of sins comes restoration. Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Ding, 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 ding right it's like hey you get it (laughs) messiah who can forgive sins but god alone jesus is like yeah (laughs) but immediately when jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves he said to them why do you reason about these things in your hearts and this is my favorite part jesus is the bomb man he's so cool. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? Which is easier, practically? Which is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven you. Why? Because there's no outward proof that it actually happened. Sure, I can say it to all you guys. Your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, your sins, and you can feel warm, warm and fuzzy inside, or you can harden yourself even harder. You can walk out and nothing's changed, and there's no outside appearance that anything has changed by me saying that. So which is easier for me to say? My sin, your sins are forgiven you, or arise, take up your bed and walk? Well, shoot. <laughs> if you tell somebody to arise, take up their bed and walk, and they do it, Either he has the authority to heal, or he has the authority to heal and to forgive sin, which is really going to start messing with these guys. In fact, this story is ending the last sandwich completely and beginning us into the next, where Jesus had his authority over uh, preaching, teaching, calling, healing, casting, That was demonstrated in this next section. The next five stories we're going to look at is Jesus demonstrating his authority over the authority. No, 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 no. We're the scribes and Pharisees. We tell you what day you can heal on. We tell you how you can heal people. We tell you we give the authority. Jesus says no. You ask if I have the ability to forgive sins, yet you restrict people from receiving healing, which is what God's heart and intention is. Sometimes this happens in the church today, where we're redirected to things and stuff instead of addressing that we need healing and cleansing because that doesn't make us feel as good. It's uncomfortable to take a bath when you're two and you have boogers all over your face. You don't care if the boogers stay there. You don't care how it looks to everybody else. You do not want to get in that bathtub so it happens in a, in a society, and in a world today, where people gather together under one roof in the name of God. Instead of talking about how dirty they are and allowing the word of God to cleanse them, it's just put on makeup and cover up the, the problems that we have as individuals. That's why we talk about sin in our church I even felt bad this Bible study, you know, like I was going through and I'm like, oh, Lord, like cleanse us. You know, yeah, cleanse me. I need to be cleansed. And I'm like, man, I'm always talking about people who have problems like every week. I'm like, hey, is this your problem this week? Hey, is that your problem? Is this your problem? Hey, I want you to respond if this is your problem. And I kind of feel bad. Can I just like skip that part this week, Lord? And he's like, don't you think that that's the whole point? If you need to be cleansed, Tim, think about those guys. <laughs> Thank you. It was it was a bad joke, but... No, we need cleansing. We have to be reminded. I don't want to feel good. I don't want to listen to Oprah. And get like, a uh, you know, the, the, oh, puppies. I'm inspired to be nice to people for a couple days until I get mad again. Or is it the, the power of God that's changed our life, that's motivated us in the Holy Spirit as cleansed people of God? What is that? What did that one? It, it, law, uh, to redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. I'm clean. It's time to go to work. Time to go back out into the world. Why do you say about, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. I can't imagine the feeling. Inside that house, as this man who was just lowered through a roof got up, picked up his cot in front of these religious elite, and walked out the door. What are you going to say? So that you may know this is the first time in this gospel uh, and, and and the main phrase that Mark uses in the gospel of Mark where he refers to himself as the son of man. You know, when Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, nobody else refers to Jesus as the son of man except for himself. You know what he's doing, what he's inferring when he does that? He's attaching himself to humanity. He says, God has sent me, and he's not going to focus on the fact that he is God's son, but he is a son of man just like all the rest, yet he has been given the authority from the Father to forgive sins. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of all of them, so that all were amazed and glorifying God saying we never saw anything like this. When we submit ourselves to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He cleanses us, and He heals us, And he teaches us, and he calls us, and he equips us, and he, and he, and he does all these things. This is the same thing that you will say about yourself and others. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen this before. Do you guys know where I would be? If it wasn't for the the empowering grace of God and his son's death on a cross, do you know where I would be? I was, a, I was a, a truck driver before. I probably, who knows what I would be doing professionally, but I was I was sick. I was unclean. I was unhealthy. And the process of sanctification that he started brings us all to the point where we are today, where we should listen. We have to be, should be in awe at where we're at today because of the grace of God. You have to be. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, there is no awe of who he is or his presence. But I find myself in awe. I see, God, I'm so dirty. God, I'm so wretched. I'm so wicked. And God says, I'm going to cleanse you again. God says, I'm going to take care of that sin God says, I'm going to address it in love and compassion. Because he loves us, we stand in awe that we could continue to be changed. We can continue to be more like him because of his great love for us and not be like we were before. Not be like who we were last week, last year, five years ago. And you know what? Who cares what the rest of society says? Do you know? Let's be again today introspective in our lives, identifying those things that get us dirty, that maybe we wouldn't have as much exposure to if we weren't walking out in the world and and, and getting our feet dirty. But having to do that not being content in our filth, but coming to Jesus again and allowing Him to cleanse us. How many times a week do you guys take a shower? Once a week? Twice a week? Three times a week? Every day, right? If we put as much, and this is not, I hate, saying stuff like this. I know hate's a strong word, but if we put as much attention on how we looked outwardly as we put on washing ourselves in God's word, could you imagine the work that he would do inside of us? That come out. And sometimes you can tell when somebody's getting a little dirty. Their lips get a little loose. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They start to say things that they shouldn't be saying. And, and a response should would be, you know, could be, should be, hey, you need to get in the Word, brother. <laughs> you need to get in the Word, sister. Because maybe that thing isn't being addressed now. But it will be. If you're seeking the Lord, if you're in His Word, it will be addressed. And He'll say, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Hey, hey. I want to cleanse you. I want to present you as faultless, as blameless, as beautiful, as a white wedding dress. Just do it. Submit, confess, and be cleansed. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray today that you would cleanse us as a whole, as your church, Lord, as your body, as your bride. We need healing. We submit ourselves to your authority uh, in our lives to heal us. You are the, the Lord, the God who heals, your word tells us. But we need to be cleansed as well. We need to be cleansed along the way as part of the process. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your great love. for your compassion, and for your faithfulness to continue to address the things in our lives that need to be addressed. We don't want to be identified with the walking dead. <laughs> we want to live to the fullest of our capacity as cleansed individuals, being conformed to the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.